Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Isaiah 66, and the last time the message was titled Inevitable Paths. And that basically means that if you read the scripture, you know, everyone's on one path or the other. They're on a path that's leading to God or on the path that leads to eternal separation from God. God has given us free will. We all make those choices. So we covered some of that last Sunday. We're going to be in the other half of the chapter this morning. And it, for some, it, it takes a little wrapping our mind around, especially an Old Testament prophetic book like Isaiah that has 66 chapters. I mean, we covered a lot. We covered, you know, Assyria rising the power, Babylon rising the power, Persia. We covered successive kingdoms. We've covered science and God telling Isaiah that the earth was a sphere uh, before the telescope. We've covered... Uh, just even some cliches and things in our vernacular. You know, hey, where do we get that phrase from in our culture? You know, it's back to the, to the scripture. Uh, we covered just basically believers, how we should live our lives, our daily walk with the Lord. And I think for some, we covered some things that are a little confusing where we can understand history because in hindsight, history is history. The Bible also speaks about our future. It speaks about future days. It speaks about the millennial kingdom. It speaks about the lion laying down with the lamb. And we, we, we try to wrap our minds around that. Well, that doesn't happen. You know, the, the digestive system and the tea. But remember, through the marring of sin, death entered the world. So we're going to go, we're going to look at God's future for our world. And we're going to see this remaking, this beautiful remaking of creation without sin. And we're going to see this transitioning. And I'm going to tell you something. Reading, reading the news is depressing. You know, day in and day out is just so much bad news, so much catastrophe, so much hate and killings. And, you know, at least as Christians, if we read our Bibles, we can say, you know what, there's better days coming. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes people try to, you know, convince themselves through wishful thinking that better days are coming. Optimism based on optimism. The Bible teaches us to hope for better days because he promised us those days were coming. See, that's the difference. And as I go through the different time periods, right, I'm going to show you how he does things very orderly, how it makes perfect sense. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If you just walked into this church or you're new to the Bible, as we go through some of the scripture, you might say, whoa, what did I walk into? But I'm going to do the best I can to explain it. It's very deep. For those that think that the Bible is a simple fairy tale, they're foolish. They haven't read it. They haven't studied it. It's very deep. There's a lot of layers to it. So we're going to cover that, and we're going to cover it in four parts. And then, you know, savor Isaiah, because next Sunday we're going to start Romans, which is a completely different book in the Scripture. It hits a lot of different subjects. I'm going to give you an introduction and an overview next Sunday. Uh, so we're, this is it for Isaiah. We've covered this for a year plus. Uh, and again, a lot has been covered in this. So we're going to jump in. Isaiah 66, we left off with 15. says, 
For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. Those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the gardens, false worship, after an idol in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse, shall be consumed together, says the Lord. So one out of four is we're thrust into this time period. Now, this is amazing because this was written some 2,700 years ago, all right? And he's speaking here about actually our future, 2019's future. So when, you start, when I start covering the revelation judgments and the great tribulation and the one world, nobody could know this back then. It's impossible. I'll start to talk to you about some of the details and the way mankind, the humanistic um, globalism, is trying to thrust us in, an, in, a, in a situation, in a time period that the Bible warns about. So <clears throat> part of the struggle when studying this is you're going to see as Isaiah is going through this, he's going through it in two streams at the same time. He's going through to it. He promises and he comforts those that are his and are loyal to him. And then he'll flip to those that are on the wrong path. Then he'll go back to his believers. So you, you say, I'm confused. Remember, from verse to verse, God changes the subject. You see what I'm saying? It's only through study of the Bible that we can understand this. Um, but again, now, what about those people that are on the wrong path? Well, Jesus spoke about that. Does it mean God hates them? No. He actually does so much warning. Jesus spoke more about hell and and judgment and and a lot of these things. If you read the scripture, because Jesus was mean? No. Because he was trying to warn humanity not to go down this path. God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God's desire is for all men and women throughout the eons to come to him. But the reality is, because he gave us free will, we have the, the power to say, no thanks. Okay, well, then you'll spend an eternity without God. Right? You know, you go to somebody's house and knock on their door, uh, and you're a stranger. Why should they let you in if they don't know you? You see what I'm saying? You know, Jesus will say in the end times, God, I either knew you or you, I didn't know you. You see what I'm saying? So we can see all these different things happening at the same time. So we're going to talk about the Great Tribulation, the Lord's second coming, which is coming. Uh, Fire is literal and metaphoric for judgment in the Bible. Uh, We know with Sodom and Gomorrah, literal fire rained down on the city. And as they do the excavations today in that area, they find pieces of sulfur and ash and things like that that destroyed those cities. The evidence is still there. Okay, um, prior to making everything new, he's going to even this creation is going to be dissolved with fire. Right, his believers will be removed. Everything will be dissolved. He'll remake everything and put us back like he did in the Garden of Eden. Pretty impressive. Um, so this is this is what the earth can look forward to. Sadly enough, but for for the Christian, again, better days are ahead. Verse 17, those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves and go after an idol. Again, this is false religion. False religion. Religion largely, and you might be surprised, well, you're behind the pulpit and there's a cross outside your church. How are you saying something negative about religion? Because religion is largely man's attempt to get to God through rites and rituals and things that make himself or herself feel better. But the truth is God sent his son to get to us. 
And that's the way to salvation. So are we going to do it through our own strength? Or are we going to let God, God did all the work. We don't have to do anything. We just have to receive his invitation to salvation. Now you see, again, the sharp dichotomy between the two paths. We'll cover more. Verse 18, you're going to see the switching here. He says, for I know their works and their thoughts. It shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them and those among them who escape this difficult time period that's coming up in the, in the earth. I will send to the nations to Tarshish and Pul and Lud who draw the bow and Tubal and Javan and to the coastlands afar off who have not heard my fame nor seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. Then they shall bring all your brethren for an offering to the Lord out of the nations on horses and in chariots and in litters in Jerusalem, says the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. And I will also also take some of them for priests and Levites, says the Lord. So two out of four is this transition coming out of the great tribulation. So earth, great tribulations coming, revelation judgments hasn't happened yet. Lord's second coming uh, after the, the Antichrist or the globalist armies are subdued, the Lord starts to now reign on the earth for a thousand years, literally. Uh, so verse 18, to gather all the nation's tongues to come to see God's glory. God doesn't play favorites. You know, we, we saw this in Isaiah. Who does God uh, prefer? Who is God prejudiced for? Well, if you ask the media or our culture, they'll tell you, you've got to be good looking, you've got to be wealthy, you've got to have swag. Um, what the Bible says is that the person's heart is right. I have no ability to see through your, you know, all the skin and the bones and see what's going on in your brain. But God does. You know, when a man or a woman is hard, is humble and towards the Lord, God says, that's the person I favor. Right? I was just reading you know, different scriptures and stuff and Jesus speaking about that it's tougher for a rich man to get to heaven than a camel to get through the eye of a needle. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't like rich people, right? That's today's culture. What it means is that those who feel they're insulated, they have their degrees, they have their money, they have their homes, they have their, you know, walled uh, you know, communities and security. A lot of times people like that, they don't, think that they have a need for God. And that's sad. And Jesus marveled at that. Right? So we continue. Verse 19, he says, I will send a sign among the nations. Let's turn to Matthew 24 in the New Testament. Jesus speaks about the end times. Very powerful scriptures. Matthew 24, 30 through 31. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. So Jesus came the first time humble, taking the form of a, of a person. He came in the line of Adam. He came in the line of huma- humanity because where humanity has sinned and ruined their own lives and their own future, uh, G- it's legal. It's a, it's a legal understanding. He, Jesus had to come through that line, fully God, fully man, to die for the sins of humanity that messed up that line. 
completely legal, right? God does everything in order. It has to be legal. It has to be logical. However, Jesus said the second time when I come, don't expect a suffering servant. He's going to come in great power and glory. And all the world will see in his second coming. There'll be no, "Mm, is that Jesus? You know, I don't see a robe. Let me tell you something. It'll be obvious when he comes the second time. So pretty neat stuff. He speaks about those who escape. We just were talking about this great tribulation period on the earth. Those who escape, those that are left in the dust. When the Lord comes, vanquishes the the globalist armies, and he sets up his kingdom, those that have uh, escaped will now see the amazing nature of God. He speaks about it way in the Old Testament, and they're going to actually go and evangelize the world. Very exciting. Again, order here. You know, you look at some of the names represent regions of the world, and and you can see this in the scripture. Um, The names have changed, but the geography hasn't. When you're talking about Tarshish, you're talking about the Iberian Peninsula, Western Europe. Uh, When you're talking about Pul and Lud, you're speaking about the continent of Africa, Tubal, Russia, East Europe, Asia, Javan, Greece, the coastlands. And that was pretty much understood as even the far reaches uh, that God's saying the whole world, you know, that even the the most stubborn ones, God is still going to send evangelisms in this period of time and try to reach them try to reach them. And why? Because God wants everyone to be saved. Even in this time where Christ literally comes back and people look and they, they you know, they don't want to believe it. And then you, people ask me all the time, they say, how could, how could many not believe after seeing? Well, let me ask you a few questions here. After the parting of the Red Sea, how did many not believe? How did even some of the children of Israel in the wilderness start to um, turn away from God after they were miraculously delivered out of this area? Uh, Other physical manifestations, the manna from heaven, God literally rained down food when they were in the wilderness. Water came out of a rock and many still didn't believe, right? How could people not believe after seeing someone being raised from the dead? Well, I'll tell you this, before Jesus was crucified and resurrected, he told a parable. And in the parable, he said that even if someone is raised from the dead, right? The rich man and Lazarus, rich man had brothers, your brothers still won't believe. To the rich man, that was incredulous. How could that be? Well, Jesus predicted his own resurrection. Now, listen, the Roman world exploded with Christianity But there were many who still didn't believe after seeing the resurrection. It's the hard-heartedness of mankind. How does, you know, in Berlin they have Bibles. In Washington, D.C. they have Bibles. In Davos they have Bibles. In all the epicenters of the world, there's Bibles. People read the Bible. It's no secret. The Bible has been spoken about for thousands of years. How is our nation... How is Europe still marching towards a globalist dictatorship, fascist dictatorship, where that one head will control the entire world? We see it in the monetary system. We see it in the banking system. We see it in the alignment of nations, especially in Europe. We see the balkanization. Um, We see a lot of things. And you ask yourself, how does mankind not see the warning signs? (laughs) Right? And it's it's a valid question. There's just a hard-heartedness in some people where it doesn't matter what they see. God could come down in all his glory and they'll still deny him. 
right? I've experienced it. I've seen it. I've seen the hard-heartedness. So the, the, the Bible is saying, as a culture, you're marching towards a fascist globalist dictatorship. And the world's like, eh, eh, it works for us. Well, it's going to work for somebody who, who takes the, the top seat and now starts to control everybody. That's what's going to happen. It's amazing. You can warn and warn, and it, it just doesn't, it doesn't register with some. Verse 21, God will take some for priests and Levites. Now, this is a very interesting scripture, and I could gloss over it, but I'm not going to. You know, people ask me, even today, and we've talked about since Christ, there's no need for a priesthood. That is a fact. Christ, Hebrews tells us over and over again, was the last high priest. He made the ultimate sacrifice. What we're in now, what we're reading is a dispensation that's not the one we're in now. And I'm going to show you that up on the charts. In this millennial kingdom, his redeemed believers who are glorified will take on Levitical and priestly roles, but not like the Old Testament. In a sense, the, the Levites uh, served at the temple, but they were really teachers. The Levites in the Old Testament go around and teach the children of Israel. They were awesome people when they were doing it right. So in the millennial kingdom, God will use the redeemed to go out as, as Levites and priests to represent God to the people and vice versa, to a world that is ignorant of God. And again, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't surprise me because going back to my other question, how can people read the Bible and still go in this direction? How can ministries teach things that are antithetical to the scripture? I think part of the issue when someone listens to a message like this, they're a little blown away. They're a little freaked out because there's a movement in, in Christianity or cultural Christianity that's moving away from solid Bible teaching and moving towards things that tickle people's ears. We saw this. This was predicted by the Apostle Paul that these things would happen. So again, I get a lot of questions. How could, how could, how could? It's not surprising. So forget about Davos and D.C. and Berlin and Paris. What about in, supposedly in the church today? Eschatology, end times prophecy is not taught. It's not taught. Why not? You know? I mean, some, I guess, in ministry, and I'm trying to be vague here, they build a sort of an empire where they think they've been around for a long time and they're going to last forever. Maybe that's the mentality. You know, we have a lot of control. We have a lot of money. Um, we just want things to keep going the way they're going. Well, Christ is going to surprise them. And hold them accountable. You know, any, any man or woman that's teaching and saying that we should just move into this globalist movement, they're a false teacher. I'm going to go on record and say that. They are a false teacher. I don't care what title they hold. You're either on God's side and you're preaching the things that make him happy and educating the masses, or you're just saying whatever to continue your organization in perpetuity, but it's not going to last. So a lot of things are going on here. We're going to see evangelists, missions, Levites in this millennial kingdom. Again, why? Because after the millennial kingdom, before eternity comes judgment. And in that time period, humanity is going to be so close to judgment that Christ is going to do everything he can to try to get people off the wrong path. Because God loves us. It's that simple. 
So, you know, <clears throat> a little repetitive, I know, over the last few months, but savor Isaiah, because we're not going to be in this portion of Scripture for a while. Verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, now we're skipping into a different dispensation, which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm dies not. Jesus spoke about this. And their fire is not quenched. They shall be in abhorrence to all flesh. So three out of four is at some point in future time, everyone will be sealed on whatever path they're on. There won't be any turning back. So the title of today's message and last Sunday's is Inevitable Paths. Right now, right now, you can still change your heart. You can still turn towards God. There will be a point where wherever you are, you're going to be sealed into that path. It's going to be solidified. And there's no turning back. New heavens and a new earth are coming after the millennial kingdom. And even one last, uh, you know, Satan will be cast into the abyss. He'll come out one more time. The Lord will make light work of him. But people will still, under pristine conditions, some will still follow him. Satan. And I like to answer questions before they come up. Well, Pastor Joe, how could that be? <laughs> when you start understanding humanity and the human heart, <clears throat> you can see that it's not that hard to understand. Because even under these perfect, pristine, beautiful, Eden-like situations, when the temptation comes, some will still turn to the dark side, so to speak. And that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had everything. And there was a temptation. And it was presented as this. Well, you know, I'm just going to paraphrase it. You guys are like God's little puppets. He makes you happy in this garden. Everything seems nice. But you could have more. You could be like God's. And God knows that. And he's holding out on you. And they both went for it. That's why. It's the wickedness of the human heart. We have to understand that, not only about humanity, but about ourselves. This is why today, when we talk about the war on poverty and the war on cancer, you can throw billions, trillions, quadrillions of money after a problem. You can have perfect conditions, and you can still have the problem. You know, it's money, and this is, people are deceived. You know, it's our culture. Well, if I just had more money, well, if I just had a different spouse, well, if I just had a better job, well, if I just had a promotion, what? Life would be great until you're in that for a year or two, and then you get bored of that. It's the, it's the wandering, the wanderlust nature of the human heart. You know, go with God, and you have to trust him. And you'll see, all this stuff will play out in the end. Verse 23 says, all flesh will come to worship. If we could put up Philippians 2, 10 through 11... It says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. Interesting. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this hasn't happened yet, right? Pastor Sam has that on his, on his answer machine at home. You know, that scripture. It's an awesome scripture. 
We look forward to that day. Now, when you're solidified in that position, there will be a point where the Lord will separate the wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats, and everyone will bow. And I can tell you this right now, I will do it joyfully. I will bow my head. Whatever he has to say, I will do. Because I have an intimate relationship with my Lord. I understand that. If you knew me when I was young, I wouldn't do that for anyone. But I know who the living God is. And I will gladly get on my knee, prostrate myself, bow my head, and say, Lord, whatever you choose to do, I am your servant. And it sounds strange. It really does. Until you understand the love of God, what he did for you, that he died for your sins. So one day... People like us, hopefully, will do that. And those who are in rebellion will do it, whether they like it or not. Because that's what it says. They will bow. Which path do you want to be on? There's only two. I know in America we have dozens of choices. There's only two. 24, after the last major battle, this is an unpleasant part to read. This is why a lot of ministries don't read a book like Isaiah. Well, how do I get past this part? Well, this part might be offensive to some. Maybe they won't come back. Listen, you know what? We want people that are seeking the truth. If you're seeking the truth, you've come to the right place. We're not going to fill this place up. We're not going to fill a football stadium because American culture doesn't want that. American culture wants to be fed what it wants to be fed. And that's why you have all these feel-good preachers out there. They're just responding. It's simple economics. It's supply and demand. They are tapping into the mood of the American culture, which is largely decadent. And what they're doing is their words and their mannerisms and the things that they promise you will match the desires of the people that are coming to their church. And they fill up stadiums. And they're filthy rich. Kenneth Copeland has a hangar full of airplanes. While he says to little old ladies with chemo treatment, basically, don't, don't buy your drugs. Send it to me and the Lord will heal you of your cancer. You know how many people died of diseases because of that false teacher? Yes, I am naming him. And there's plenty like him. We tell the truth here. So he says, well, and this is going to be a temporary thing. After this, this you know, Christ returns, second coming, vanquishes this uh, globalist army, uh, the corpses of the soldiers will be a reminder, partially through the millennial kingdom. It's just, it's a, it's a reminder. Don't, don't go down that path. He says, where their fire is not quenched and the, and the worm actually can be translated maggot does not die. This is a, 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 a metaphor, but it's also reality. Because this is what eternal separation from God looks like. You know that the atheists, and I say this a lot, who discounts God, doesn't believe in God. I love atheists. I love, I love to, you know, Christopher Hitchens, was, he was so snarky. I just really liked the guy. He died at like 62. And he was so rude. And he said, Pastor Joe, he wrote, listen, Christopher Hitchens, when he died, had like a few dozen pastor friends. I believe, I could be wrong, I believe he got saved before he died. He all of a sudden, as he started to get older and sicker, he started surrounding himself with pastors. 
Very interesting to watch people's behaviors, right? No atheists in foxholes. But even the atheist, when the atheist wakes up in the morning and his circadian rhythms cause his eyes to open and he takes a breath into his lungs and his heart is beating and he goes outside and he sees spring and the, the nature and the flowers blooming, even the atheist is enjoying God's creation. One day, those who die on the wrong path will not be enjoying anything. The fire is not quenched and the maggot doesn't die. Jesus spoke about this in the New Testament. Why? As a wake-up call. Don't go there. Don't go there. As a matter of fact, I know a woman who is very, has a very strong personality. It's not here. Lovely saint. And she said, it was because of preaching of hell and a friend of mine telling me, you don't know the Lord. And this is where you're headed. And she was offended greatly. But she thought about it and it kept her up at night. She started seeking the Lord and became a Christian. So don't tell me that preaching judgment doesn't do anything. Listen, preaching love is awesome. That won me. I wasn't really too afraid of judgment. It was the love that got me. But for some, it takes judgment, preaching a judgment to get them to come to God. Whatever works, the carrot or the stick, just come to God. Francis Chan, uh, I actually watched this video. It was 39 minutes. I put it on the church Facebook wall. It was titled, Lukewarm and Loving It. Now, that was sarcastic. He was talking about the part of the Christian culture that is lukewarm. That they're, you, you know, are they really Christians? Is their heart really for the Lord? He spoke about Laodicea. He spoke about different uh, churches in, in Revelation that Jesus rebuked. But he just spoke about our culture and how it's got into the church. And how some may even be deceived into thinking that they're really believers and they're just in a cultural form of Christianity. They don't spend any time with the Lord. They don't pray. Um, they have no interest in what pleases God. But if you get a chance, uh, check it out. Francis Chan, lukewarm and loving it. And he said, and he had a big, a big audience, he, he says, you know what keeps me up at night? The possibility that some of the people in my church are not going to make it to heaven. That took a lot of guts to say, but it needed to be said. So now I'm going to jump to visual aids because now I'm going to try to make sense of everything for you. If we can look at the dispensational chart, and I know I've showed this before, but this is important because I want to just show you the orderliness of what God does. So if you look at innocence, right, Adam and Eve, the garden, everything was wonderful. Uh, Animals didn't eat each other. This is where we are. We don't have much to go, do we, as a human uh, creation? The millennial kingdom is next. Things start to change. And what you see is a transition back to God's original perfection. Now, this hasn't happened yet. This, this. The animals' kingdoms are at peace. There's no war. Right, The Lord is intimately involved, very close to his people. So you see some similarities between this and this. So this is the next step in in the human history. What happens here is at the final judgment, you have eternity, right? Everything's perfect. There's no sin. There's no evil. Satan is in the lake of fire. He's never getting out. Um, But before we make the transition from this to this, what has to happen is the great white throne judgment. And it says the Lord opened the books and he went through names, And those who were not found in the book of life were sent to the eternal lake of fire. 
I know my name is written there, not because I'm arrogant, not because I'm a pastor, but because I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's so important. So important, because as you see, we don't have much to go. If we go to the timeline, this kind of shows things from a different perspective. Now, let me just say this, that the reason why some people find this teaching a little scary is because Satan is a counterfeit. He takes everything that God makes good, and he tries to twist it a little bit and poison it so people don't like it. So you have a whole genre of teachers out there that are cult leaders, and they've been predicting dates to the end of the world um, probably since the time of Christ. Christ said, don't do that. You won't know. The Father and I have that date. It's not for you to know. Just live your life for me. And when that date comes, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that when it happens. So what happens is a lot of times eschatology or the teachings of the end times, which is a positive thing, is hijacked by cults making people scared. So, you know, if you leave here, you should be calm about this because you can say, well, there's not going to be any more wars. There's not going to be. It's just a matter of time before this happens. So if we look at the timeline, um, we are somewhere over here. The next event on the human calendar is for the Lord to call his saints home. And then this is where the one world, the rise of the one world leader uh, the revelation judgments, the great tribulation, and it ends with the second coming of Christ with his redeemed saints, 1 Corinthians 15, new bodies. And then he vanquishes the armies of the, the global leader, and then uh, he starts doing some really neat things in the millennial kingdom. Right? So I'll just kind of go through it in order. From here, we have the Lord at some point, don't know when, calls his saints home. The harpazo, the rapture, whatever language, doesn't matter. People really pick on semantics. So people say, I don't like the word rapture because it comes from the Latin. Okay. Harpazo is in the Greek. Are you happy? <laughs> the things that people pick about is just, it's in there, okay? Uh, the tribulation, the great tribulation, you know, the antichrist, uh, you know, the great, the global leader rises to power. Uh, after this seven-year period, the Lord returns. He, of course, beats that, you know, leader and his armies. He frees Israel. Uh, he sets up this millennial kingdom, the great white throne judgment, remaking in the, the heavens and the earth. So here's another thing. I love the earth. I'm a beekeeper. I love nature. My wife's a master gardener. We don't use pesticides. We're very earthy, crunchy. I might have hugged a tree or two. Uh, you say, you? Don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, but, but there is, an, again, when Christians follow trends, there's an element of our culture that worship nature. And they're preaching this stuff, you know, nature, 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 at the expense of humans, right? At the expense of humans living, drinking water, fishing. It's getting ridiculous, okay? So when you, when you see that crowd that's going towards the earth, we got to save the earth, Trust me, the Lord will save the earth. And it isn't going to be in this state because this is a fallen state. They're focusing on the wrong thing. As Romans says, they're focusing on the creation and not the creator, the worship of Mother Earth. And it's, it's radical. And I'm going to tell you, the climate change folks, they've completely drowned out the scientists, well over 100 of them, that say, this is ridiculous. You know, we've, we've seen the transitions of the earth and we've seen the cycles. They're, they're shouted down. This is what's happening in this country. 
Everybody is saying the same thing, and if you don't agree, you could be fired. Uh, Google will hide your, your works. Your, uh, YouTube will shut down your videos. This is a reality in the United States. Let's be free thinkers. Let's not go along with everything we watch on television. Actually, a friend of mine who I'm, I've been trying to witness to, he, I said to him, I just was kind of testing the waters. I'm like, it's horrible what happened in New Zealand with that guy that shot up the mosque. And he goes, the problem, <laughs> he's older than me, and he's very mellow, goes, the problem is people watch that box in their living room. I'm like, this guy's got it. You know, so I've been trying to witness to him, but it's, the box is it's a brainwashing uh, uh, tool. I always said, when I was a kid, they were saying, stop watching so much TV. And people do that. They're glued to the TV, and they, they come out spitting out everything that they heard on this expert on television. We've got to start thinking outside the box here. Pun intended. Listen. Now that we looked at the visual aids, we know that human history is rapidly ap- approaching a close. For the Christian, it's not a bad thing. The Lord's coming back. Very exciting. To somebody who doesn't know God, it's frightening. We have to save the world. It's not going to happen. That's why when we turn on the TV and we read the news, everything's getting nuttier and nuttier. Because our society globally is starting to unravel. And under chaotic conditions is usually, in that power vacuum, is usually where a dictator or a fascist could rise up and say, hey, I'm going to solve all your problems. And that's what the Antichrist is going to do. At some point, the Lord interrupted human history to save our souls, not to be a conquering leader. But the Lord Jesus made it very clear, as did Isaiah and other scriptures, that the second time he comes, it will be to redeem his physical creation. It goes goes to show you God's priorities. God looks at creation... He spoke it into existence, bara, in Hebrew, out of nothing. Elements formed, compounds. I got to get a video of that when I get up to heaven. I got to see that. Like, how did you do that? And you look at the earth, and that starts spinning, and there's the molten core, and the electromagnetic waves, and it, it, it stops the cosmic radiation. It's very, very cool. Where was I? I got very excited over that. So... What God did was, he said, you know what, I'm going to deal with the physical part later. What's most important are souls. You know, God's up there saying, I love people. I love their souls. So when Christ came the first time, it was to redeem our souls. The second time, it's going to be for physical creation. Remember, not a fairy tale, very orderly the way God does things. Uh, the next, next Sunday in, in, in the book of Romans that we study is going to give the nuts and bolts of the excellence of how God did it, why salvation is important, why Jesus had to come, why he had to die. We're going to have a lot of fun in Romans. But until that time, I just want to encourage, if there's anybody here, maybe you've been coming with a friend. You've been listening for a while, but you haven't completely given your life to the Lord. I would just say, um, today could be your day that you come forward. Maybe somebody will come with you. But remember, as we close out, you know, I'm, I'm kind of dragging it on. I really love Isaiah. I don't want to be done with this book. I get so attached to them. Uh, at the end of the day, there's only two paths. Like Jesus said, the narrow path that leads to everlasting life that few find because they don't, they either find it or they they don't want to find it or they want to find it, or the wide path which many want to find that leads to everlasting destruction. Two paths, make your decision, let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield 
We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.